Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every kid from Brooklyn, brainwashed best friend, and meta-human law is important and critical to our lives, no matter how unimportant a story may seem. I'm Mandy. And I'm Michael. And today we're going to talk about Captain America Civil War. So, uh, I am a huge Captain America fan, and so I'm sure that colored my expectations going into the movie. Um, So... uh, but Michael, why don't we start with you? What were your expectations going into this movie? Uh, my expectations, so I actually just saw the movie last night, um, and I've had kind of a night of sleep and a long run to process it. But my expectations going in, I had heard the general gist of reviews, but intentionally avoided it. I heard that it, people liked it. Um, before anybody had seen it, though, my expectations were, okay, they're going to pit cap and iron man against each other they're putting a whole lot of characters in i kind of trust them at this point to use a whole lot of characters well i expect to be annoyed with uh with tony's rationale regardless of whether or not he ends up being right uh i expected to like cap even if i think he's wrong and want to side with him whether or not i decided that i would otherwise uh after all and i think yeah that's that's basically all of my expectations going in so I saw it twice. Uh, I've seen it twice. I saw it um, the Thursday night. It came out at the 7 o'clock IMAX 3D showing. <laughs> um, and then I saw it on uh, the Saturday after in 2D. And uh, like you, I hadn't read too many reviews, though I read a couple of non-spoiler advanced reviews that are just kind of like, is it good? Is it bad? Um, and most of those said it was good. Uh, which gave me hope because my big fear going into this movie was Tony Stark and Spider-Man and whether they would upstage Cap. And of course, we can talk about that later because that will get into spoiler territory about how I feel about the movie or not. But that was my fear going in, regardless of uh, truth to it or not, because uh, I, as I said before, am a huge Captain America fan. And um, I really love Captain America the Winter Soldier. It's not my favorite Marvel movie, but I think it's the best Marvel movie. And uh, it's probably my second favorite Marvel movie. I mean, I I, I like that movie a lot. I mean, just to cut in, I I agree. I think it's the best, and it's not my favorite. It's probably my second favorite, but we probably have different favorites. Yeah, mine's obviously Thor. (laughs) And, And mine is actually still the first Iron Man. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I didn't expect it would be as good as The Winter Soldier, but I hoped. Uh, So, of course, I was happy about anything that was getting me more Cap and Bucky on the screen, though. So um, I will say I was optimistic and excited going into it. Oh, and I, yeah, one one additional expectation I had is I knew Spider-Man was going to be in it, and I was really excited for a non-Sony uh depiction of spider-man on the screen um yeah that's probably my only other additional expectation there is i i definitely had high hopes for for spidey's showing see i was not excited about (laughs) spider-man but uh i i was afraid about spider-man not whether (laughs) spider-man would be good or not but uh this is a captain america movie right Uh, and i wasn't sure about spider-man's place in a captain america movie uh so just uh, to make sure i'm reading you right was your concern that it wouldn't feel like a Captain American movie? Captain America movie because too many other people would take the spotlight. Yes. Okay. And I have many feelings about the reality or not of that that we can talk about right. at the end of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, but yeah, my big concern going into this movie is that it would not feel like Captain America three, but rather it would feel like Avengers three. 
which, you know, a lot of people talked about this as Avengers 2.5 going in. So uh, right. a lot of people shared that sentiment to whether <laughs> whether they thought of that as a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I love Steve Rogers is my favorite Avenger. Um, not my favorite Marvel character, but my favorite Avenger. Uh, so, you know, I'm very like protective when it comes to him. And of course, uh, I don't love Bucky at all. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a dog named after him. I, that, that couldn't possibly be true. Uh, so, you know, I, I was worried about everyone else taking away from them, if you will. Cool. And the rest of team cap, cause Sam, Natasha, you know, Sharon, well, so I'm going to, for just a second, I'm going to talk to you, dear listeners, and let you know that if you haven't watched uh, this movie, you should, it's probably fairly obvious that this is highly dependent on a whole lot of other movies. Um, so, A, we're going to spoil this movie a lot, because it's hard to talk about it, and if you haven't watched most of the other Marvel movies, we're probably going to bring a lot of them up, too. So, uh, yes, spoilers will abound for basically everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up until now. Um, so you should probably stop listening <laughs> if, uh, if you're not, if you're concerned with that. Can I uh, briefly segue on that and say it really annoys me when uh, reviewers, not the average person, but reviewers judge a Marvel movie and say, well, I didn't see the movie before it, so this didn't make sense, and that's a fault <laughs> of the movie. And I'm like, that's, that's like seeing Harry Potter 5 and not seeing the ones before and expecting it to make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the Marvel Universe is very much a continuity, right? And uh, whether that continuity always makes sense or not, we can debate, but, uh, you know, you, you couldn't go into this movie without seeing Age of Ultron and expect, uh, or Winter Soldier, and expect uh, to know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I guess now everybody who's sticking with us should, at this point, know that, uh, that they're committed to being spoiled or having already seen the movie. So, uh, Mandy, do you want to start us off with a kind of an overview of the plot? Yeah, so um, obviously Captain America Civil War. We all knew from the trailers that uh, Tony and Steve would be on the opposite sides of an issue uh, known as the Sokovia Accords. Uh, so going into the movie, um, it kind of opened up with a fight in um, Logos, uh, Africa. What country in Africa is Logos in? Uh, I am going to plead ignorance and hope people don't hate me for it. <laughs> I'm, I am not sure because they didn't say in the movie and I am terrible at geography. Uh, so um, they, there is a fight scene, um, this, this whole sequence where basically Crossbones, a.k.a. Uh, my mind is blanking, Rumlow, Brock Rumlow from The Winter Soldier, uh, is uh, they know he's going to do something and... Uh, they're not sure. They think maybe he's going to hit a police station, but then it turns out he's hitting their uh, center, basically their CDC, but not the CDC. <laughs> um, because apparently, as I just got informed by my husband, it's in Nigeria. Oh, there uh, you go. <laughs> they even said that in the movie. I should have known that. Um, and uh, they... Um, they try to stop it. There's this whole fight that, you know, basically the CDC building kind of blows up. Rumlow steals something, runs away. This fight kind of goes into the streets. They get the, uh, presumably, some sort of biological weapon away from the bad guys. But then Rumlow basically had wired himself up like a suicide bomb. And uh, in order to stop him from blowing up, 
the Scarlet Witch, aka Wanda Maximoff, uh, put him in like a a ball of force, and uh, she tried to throw him into the air, basically, so he would blow up in midair and not hurt anyone, and accidentally threw him into a building. Uh, so I think two floors of that building got blown out. Um, because of this, uh, it turned out there were several Wakandans in that building. Uh, Wakanda is a fictional nation in Africa that is real in the Marvel Universe, basically the African equivalent of Latveria in the sense that Marvel made it up rather than dealing with a similar uh, making a country. Um, and the Wakandans have been uh, isolationists, so they're not very happy that their first foray into uh, the rest of the world kind of ended with them getting blown up. So they go to the UN and they're like, what the heck with all these Avengers? Uh, and basically the UN decides that the Avengers need to be uh, controlled. Uh, or not necessarily controlled, but uh, uh, oversight is a word that's thrown around a lot. Right. Uh, and so they create this document called the Sokovia Accords. Uh, Tony Stark, um, the whole issue in the movie is on what side do the Avengers fall on the Sokovia Accords? And Tony is for the Sokovia Accords because, one, everything that happened in Age of Ultron was basically his fault. And, two, he got confronted by a... A mother of a kid who was, or young man, I guess, he's like graduated from college, um, who was killed in Sokovia while doing a humanitarian effort. Uh, and Tony's feeling very guilty. Um, Steve, on the other hand, due to the events of everything that he's ever experienced <laughs> in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, no longer trusts authority because, you know, when you work for S.H.I.E.L.D. and discover they're all Hydra, that's a. Uh, problematic so uh steve is not on the side of these accords and basically what that's going to mean for him is forced retirement but the reason why he doesn't want to retire is because oh guess what during the sokovia accord signing the un gets bombed and uh bucky apparently is the one who did it so uh steve wants to go bring bucky in but doing so now is outside the law because of the sokovia accords also, during that bombing, the king of Wakanda died, and uh, T'Challa, the prince of Wakanda, was there and is very upset, needless to say, that his father died. Uh, and since he thinks Bucky did it, he basically wants to kill Bucky. And I guess since he gets diplomatic immunity, he's not really worried about these accords because he's like a king, so he can do whatever the heck he wants. I'm really not sure. <laughs> um, but uh, so there's a lot of fights that are basically uh, Steve trying to get to Bucky before uh, this UN German force can just straight up kill Bucky because they're given shoot to kill orders. And uh, Steve discovers that Bucky did not blow up the UN. Uh, and through uh, several different twists and turns, they discover that this guy named Zemo uh, blew it up and uh, blamed it on Bucky, and he's going to Russia. Um, and uh, the only thing they can figure out of what he wants to go to Russia for is because there are apparently other super soldiers like Bucky in Russia uh, who are in cryo-freeze, and if Zemo got them, he could uh, take over the world. So uh, Tony, so Steve and Bucky are trying to stop this. Tony is trying to stop them. And uh, yeah, all kind of ends in Russia with everyone getting there. And turns out uh, Zemo doesn't want to take over the world. It was all a setup because he it, just hates them. 
he just hates the Avengers because he was Sokovian. And uh, not that he cared about the city they blew up, but it killed his family. Uh, and he knew he couldn't take down the Avengers, but he figured the Avengers could take themselves down. Uh, so uh, he reveals that the information he had been trying to get this whole movie, because we saw different scenes with him with a Hydra agent, him with Bucky, him doing different things, uh, is basically he reveals to Tony Stark that Bucky is the one who killed his parents, which the... Uh, the viewer, uh, if they had seen Winter Soldier, probably already knew because it was heavily implied. Right. Um, which is why Tony asks Steve if he knew, and Steve says, I didn't know it was him. And technically that's not a lie because it's only heavily implied. Uh, and uh, But then Steve basically says, yeah, I knew. And Tony uh, turns on Steve and Bucky and basically tries to kill Bucky because Bucky killed his mom. Yeah. Uh, also important that during this whole fight, uh, the Black Panther was actually there and heard Zemo hear that he was the one who blew up the UN building, thus killing uh, T'Challa's father. Um, and so uh, now uh, I, I'm going to have a lot of things to talk about this particularly later. Uh, <laughs> but uh, basically T'Challa realizes that his quest for vengeance has been in vain, not just because he was going after the wrong person, but he sees how vengeance has consumed uh, Tony Stark and is destroying the Avengers. Uh, so instead of killing Zemo, he basically captures him. Uh, thus being, you know, the hero of the whole movie. Uh, and meanwhile, Tony and Steve basically beat each other to a bloody pulp, and uh, it ends with the Avengers basically being uh, split in two, kind of disbanded, um, Except kind of not. Kind of not, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I skipped over a lot of things in this description because we're going to go through the different character beats, but uh, uh, yeah, that's that at the, at the by, basically by the end of the movie, as far as we know, the Sokovia Accords are still a thing, that yeah. everyone is held to, uh, and that uh, Steve is no longer with the Avengers um, and is hanging out in Wakanda with a frozen Bucky, uh, and uh, Tony and the remnants of the Avengers, uh, which at the end of the movie, I think it's just him, Vision, and Rhodey, uh, and that's it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, as you said, there are a lot of characters, um, and there are a lot of story beats, and so this discussion probably makes a whole lot more sense to talk about character by character rather than plot point by plot point. Um, so I guess we can start with kind of the, the lead guy, Cap. Um, you have uh, opening thoughts on, on Cap? Well, as I said before, Steve Rogers is my favorite Avengers, so a favorite Avenger, <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to... Um, uh, divorce my uh, feelings about Steve from uh, my uh, thoughts on the Accords. Um, but uh, while uh, I like to say my heart was with Steve, my mind was with Tony throughout this whole movie, mm -hmm. um, I think everything Steve does is completely sympathetic and makes uh, sense for his character. Um, and uh, except for one thing, which... So we're going to get to this. Um, <laughs> I, it, it's really funny, actually, because watching the movie, I, I, I got to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm kind of annoyed with everyone. And, not, yeah, and by kind definitely. of, I mean extremely annoyed with everyone. And I really don't like the positioning of choose Team Cap, choose Team Iron Man, because I'm more on the side of team, you're all idiots and listen to the women. Um, yeah, you know, if Pepper Potts had been there, none <laughs> of this would have happened. 
I, I mean, we'll get, I, I really think that there are only three characters who actually have their own agency in this, who do what is best in light of their particular situations. Everyone else does obviously stupid things and it's just I, like and i just want to shake them all and be like stop it and well, we'll get to who i think those so characters I, are. i don't want to get too much into the characters right now because i do want to talk about the accords a little bit before we get to that because okay. i want to talk about some of the stupidness of this setup yes absolutely because um, I, I think is... there's also the like one part of this is i do want to talk about the accords in context of the actual marvel universe and in context of what it would be like in you know the real world so the thing that, that was frustrating to me is that these Accords came about and the Avengers only had three days to get on board. Yeah. Uh, three days is barely enough to read that document uh, and to know what you're being held to. So it kind of seemed like the UN was purposely backing the Avengers into a corner, but the Avengers hold all the cards. So I'm not sure why the UN would do that. It makes like no sense at all because the UN doesn't do anything in three days. No! <laughs> the, I mean, they might be able to get everyone to agree to show up within three days. Like, right. and not even to show up, like to agree within three days that they will show up at some point in the future. Like, there's no no way you're gonna get every if, especially because this didn't exist before and then right. to have it like written and agreed upon, no, that it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's and, and it happens setup. very fast in the movie, and it's only that speed at which it occurs that allows for Steve and Tony and everyone to not actually be able to sit down and talk like adults because they're not given time. Like, do they even know what they're signing up for? Like, you know, like, but the time between what happened in Nigeria and the blowing up of the UN is so short that you know what could the Avengers have feasibly even thought through at that point I mean it means that like with that kind of time frame especially as you said the Avengers hold all the cards the only sensible thing is hey we're not going to sign anything right now we'll sit on this for a little bit while we talk it through right and you guys are stuck like like because okay now you have no Avengers you know and we'll sit there and and not this is not a like, it's one of those things, and it, we'll go back and forth on the actual arguments between the two, because I think nobody is right. Um, but, but, like, but it's just that the speed with which Tony was, wanted to make the decision to say, like, hey, we need to sign this, it's like, no, 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 no. You guys need to make sure that you have your conversations. You right. know? <laughs> And, and, uh, and I, I don't believe Tony Stark would, and maybe Tony Stark drafted the Accords, and that's what we're supposed to kind of, like, infer, but I don't believe Tony would sign anything without his lawyers having scraped through the entire thing, even if his heart was on the side of the Accords. Like, Tony knows better than to sign a contract he hasn't read. Yeah. Um, and and then beyond that, too, it's just, like, you see... One of the things that I really, really did actually like about this movie is how they made, as much as I think they were, almost every character was being an idiot, they were empathetic idiots. Like, I understood where they were coming from. I just thought they should have well, been smarter. I, I just <laughs> feel like a lot of that idiocy comes from the speed at which they were being forced to make decisions. Right. And, and that's the thing. is The sensible thing should have been like, hey, they can't actually force us to make a decision this quickly. Like, they really mm -hmm. can't. We because we can sit here again, again, as you said, the Avengers held all the cards. Like we could just not fight crime on a global scale for two weeks, you know, while we sit down and think this through. And it's like, it's not a saying we're not going to do this. It's saying, well, you know, you guys got to sit and wait while we talk this out and figure out which of us is going to agree, which of us isn't, 
and whether we're going to do this. So um, I also want to talk briefly about the way the, the accords were presented in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's uh, two, two things about this I want to talk about. Sure. One, whoever thought it was a good idea to put General Thaddeus, I blew up a college campus, Ross, <laughs> as Secretary of the State. Like, he's the bad guy in the Hulk. He blew up a college campus in America. Surely this man can't be Secretary of State. I think mostly that was casting getting in the way and then being like, hey, we have a great actor. We want to keep him around. But he's supposed to be the same character. Oh, I know. Well, and that's exactly. But I, I don't think that that I really don't think they thought that through. I, I really mean, think Tony that was like we've got William this. Hurt. Well, no, 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 I know that. I mean, the characters do. But I'm saying like, I think it was a mistake on the right, the, you know, directors writers whomever because they're like hey we don't want to like not have william hurt around anymore i mean but the thing that got me and it was very clear in the movie they were doing this is because tony was aligned with the accords the accords are intrinsically aligned with general ross or secretary ross excuse mm -hmm. me who is a bad guy therefore the accords are bad like which we very clearly see there's like this you know yeah. crazy prison in the middle of the ocean like all of this is like bad guy imagery Right. Yeah. And it's like it's this the accords are not a black and white issue. And it's almost as if by putting General Ross in there, they were trying to say, actually, it is a black and white issue because you're aligning yourself with a supervillain, which is kind of what the comics tried to do. And I don't want to get into the comics because the comics just frustrate me because um, well, the comics were bad. They, they were bad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that was frustrating to me as someone who, you know, if there were superheroes in this world, they would need oversight if they were fighting crime. And so as someone who logically has always been on Team Iron Man, it was just frustrating to me how they tried to, like, almost instantly cast it as bad guys. And I understand this is a Captain America movie, so they're also trying to, it's kind of from Cap's perspective, you know. But, yeah. And then the other thing is, when General Ross was presenting the Accords and he, to the Avengers, and he was presenting all these different scenarios, the only two of the scenarios he presented that were actually something that was something that oversight would have been useful for was Ultron and maybe what happened in Nigeria. No, I don't even think the one in Nigeria is reasonable. It's like a whole bunch of people I were going to die killed by terrorists. I think like this is wrong. Like you can't you can't do anything about this. It, but yeah. And that's the thing is like they're you're using that as an emotional like yoke which people do in the real world. You know, mm -hmm. I, I believe they would use that. They would be wrong though. Like But the it, Avengers did but, not but Ultron, cause New York City. No, no, they didn't. Like, like the only one, Ultron's the only example, and frankly, that's all Tony. That's, that's not even all the Avengers. On Tony. That is like Tony. The correct response to this would have been Tony being like, you know, let's wait on this, but I'm going to subject myself to some kind of tribunal, uh, you know, for you guys to judge me on this case because that was me, not the Avengers. Right. Because it was, you know, and, and that that's the so to go to the Accords though, you know, as you were talking about about like how it was presented. Uh, this is going to lead into who the only person I think who was actually right about the accords and how to, Natasha. How to deal it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she was the only one. Okay, good. That was obvious then. Uh, but it, so, and she's one of three characters who I think actually acted sensibly over the course of the movie. But, but it's I'm just like uh, who the third one is. Huh? I, I'm well, trying to figure out who your third right, one we'll, is. We'll get we'll, there. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, so the first person. So obviously, you know, this whole thing comes up, and both Tony and Cap are like, no, no, no. You know, Cap is like, my principle is that I trust individuals and therefore we're not going to sign this away, which is it's like, no, in the, in the real world, you need to have this oversight, right? Right. 
And then Tony's on the, hey, we need oversight, which is true, except you live in the Marvel Universe where, you know, Hydra and other organizations exist, and, and the authority has basically been wrong 100% of the time. Right, and no one so, brought that up, which I found to be mind-boggling, because the Avengers had oversight in both the Battle of Manhattan, of New York, yeah. and, you know, in the events in D.C., and the oversight was bad. It's like, guys, in, in this universe, 100% of the time, these higher authorities are bad. Like, like, it's like, we, you are not making your case well. So, so in this case, both sides are kind of being stupid. Natasha is the only one where I feel like if they had really had this nuanced conversation, she's the only one who had a nuanced approach. She's like, maybe we should agree, and then we can keep a hand on the wheel. And then we can just say no, and they make us do something that is morally wrong. Because right. they we have that power. They can't actually make us do it. You know? It's, it's, you know, it's that kind of argument that sometimes comes up in military movies and stuff like that, where a good soldier always does what they're ordered, but then at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you still have your own moral compass, and sometimes, you know, we would like to think that people will deny orders that are morally wrong, and even if that, you know, torpedoes their careers and stuff like that, that in the long run, that's what a good person should do. Well, history you know? has shown that I'm just following orders is not an adequate defense. Right, exactly. And so that's, that's, you know, that's what we're seeing here is it's kind of like a, what they should have done, what I think, and you know, and it, it's sort of a, you see some of it in one of the, one of the best scenes I've ever seen between Iron Man and Cap, like really, uh, which is really what this movie was about, was their dynamic. Um, which is, I will rant about. Yeah, but I, the, where, you know, Tony is trying to reach out the olive branch with the pens. Mm-hmm. And you can see Cap starting to come around to that nuanced view until Tony pushes a little bit further, you know, mm -hmm. and then it's like, oh, man, you almost had me. But no. And so it's like it's like imagine if they hadn't had to if they hadn't made the decisions quickly and had had like a week to sit there and talk, they probably could have come with their own demands to the t you know, to the table. And right. Or the whole Bucky thing didn't even happen. Right. Like if Bucky wasn't an issue. Uh, things would have gone very differently. Yeah. But also, I mean, that whole scene takes place after Cap just saw them bring in Bucky and Cap say, well, doesn't he get a lawyer? And then Cap get yeah. laughed at in his face. Like, so how can you say this oversight is good when this oversight means no civil rights? Right, exactly. It's like, eh, Tony, you're kind of on the wrong side of this. This is pretty obvious. It's not, that you're, it's not that you're wrong to think you need oversight. It's you're wrong to agree to this particular oversight, you know? Right. But, um, I mean, Steve was also, you know, wrong. Oh, absolutely. I, I've, I've ranted about this before to many people. But, you know, the Avengers not having oversight is basically saying the Avengers are better than the military or the CIA or the policemen or, like, whatever. Everyone has oversight, you right. know? And uh, I think there's a lot of ways oversight could be done and done well. I think one of the best examples of oversight uh, in fiction for something that's meta our world right bigger than our world is in warehouse 13 where the uh the basically the oversight committee the regents are random people from random walks of life so it's ordinary people making decisions and there's like 10 of them or whatever mm -hmm. um and some of them are like stay-at-home moms and some of them are like ceos and some of them are like you know grocers uh and it's like it, 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 in that in that show, it's done really well, you know, as opposed to like in this case, who is the oversight? Right. Like they didn't actually ever say who the oversight was. Like is they it said General it would be Ross? a panel. 
Yeah. Right. So the, the, all they said was that it would be a panel determined by the UN, but it's just like, uh, you know, and again, if, one of the things, too, is you think about what is the U.S.'s interest in joining this? Because as far as we can tell, they're the only ones with, the, with an equivalent group of the Avengers. Like, we still haven't been shown that other countries really have this. So we understand why all the other countries want this. But because, why is the U.S. okay with it? Yeah. Why is the U.S. okay with it and putting General Ross there? You know, and, or... and I didn't understand. Tony says at one point when talking about Wanda that uh, the U.S. doesn't grant visas to weapons of mass destruction. And I'm just sitting here thinking, what are you telling me that if there was someone super powered out there that the U.S. is like, we could make them a citizen. We could make them on our side. We could make them yeah. American. That That's... they wouldn't be like, hell yeah. I, I can tell you from just personal knowledge that it wasn't that many years ago that the U.S. gave a, uh, a basically expedited a man a German man's citizenship to get him on the German so or on the U.S. soccer team, and he wasn't even that great. So yes, right. we would totally we give would totally her give her citizenship <laughs> just so she could be an Avenger. Yeah, that, there's no question about that. So lots of holes in this whole Accords thing, but I feel like we should get on to the actual characters and their relationships. So. so Steve is just in a bad place this whole movie. Like I, I know that since going back to Cap as our first one to talk about, um, I you know I know as writers like it's important to you know make things always get worse for characters to you know have like things for them to fight against. But Steve just can't catch a break in this movie. <laughs> uh, not only do these accords come along, and you know Wanda's well, Wanda's all depressed from what's going on in Lagos, but they both feel like it's their fault because uh, you know uh, Rumlow mentioned Bucky, and that kind of made Steve freeze. And he's trying to deal with someone under his authority, you know, struggling with those emotions. Uh, but also that you know this accords thing happens, then Peggy dies. Then Bucky blew up a building, maybe, you know. Then everyone's trying to kill Bucky. Like, you know, what, the, what, what chance does Steve have to, like, take a moment and breathe in this movie? And the answer is never. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, it, I mean, I think I kind of like that, actually. Uh, I, I like him being kind of on the run. I imagine that the, the truth is, at some point, they're going to have to get rid of Cap in the series, right? Like, he's gonna, the, the actor is going to age out. And so it's just like, it's neat to see him kind of in this harried state where he's just under pressure the entire time, um, under lots of types of pressure, and how he rolls with it. And by the end, kind of, you know, it settles. Like, at the end of the movie, it settles, and he's honestly kind of in a good place. Um, Is he, though? I, I mean, a good place, his friends in ice... Uh, his, you know, uh, the love of his life is dead. Uh, he, his other friends, like half of them are on the run. Where, where is Hawkeye even at this point? I, I don't know. Where's Natasha? Who knows? Well, Hawkeye's with uh, him because Hawkeye was in the prison. Is when Hawkeye he broke him out. in Wakanda? Do we know? We have no knowledge that everyone's in Wakanda, oh, but I like true. to think of Hawkeye having a farm in Wakanda with his wife and kids. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, He's separated from Tony and Vision and, you know, he's But he's not separated a, but on good terms. Like, they've kind of settled their differences by the end. I, I, I think saying Cap is in a good place at the end of the movie is too strong. He's I'm thinking, in an okay place. I think he's in a good place in terms of character development, character growth. Like, he's in a stable place uh, is more what I meant, rather than the facts of his situation are, are good. Um, 
I mean, the facts of the situation aren't terrible. They're better than they were during the movie. See, but I'd argue Cap didn't have any character growth in this movie. I, I feel like he did because in the end, basically, he acknowledges fault, you know? It, and that's one of the things is he was... He acknowledges fault, but he doesn't acknowledge the accords. And fault at what? What, what did he say he did wrong? He said he did... Uh, I mean, he, he acknowledges fault with hiding something from Tony, really. So it's more of a acknowledging fault to Tony rather than acknowledging fault with the with the accords. Um, and I think that essentially what that does is it it sort of acknowledges fault in the hey you and I should talk about things rather than just going at it. Is that that's sort of the read that I get from him as a character and from Tony as a character. You know, it's sort of that in the future we're not going to butt heads the same way. We're actually going to talk. Um, and that's kind of what would have stop this whole situation to begin with because that is what caused everything in the, in the first place like it's sort of a we can disagree and i can just not fight crime and stuff like that because that's essentially what he's in he's in this he's not acknowledging the, the accords but i and i could be wrong obviously we'll see how the new movies go but i get the impression that this is actual retirement but if you decide you want me to join you and you trust me i will be there you know see, I, I don't like, think steve is gonna actually retire <laughs> Well, I don't think he's actually going to. I think that's his intent. You know, <laughs> like I, 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 and I again, don't think Steve Rogers is capable of retiring. I mean, man. this is the kid who fought people for injustice on the streets before he was a superhero. I feel like he'll, you know, they'll find area. I guess it's a matter of what retirement really means. But um, maybe, I mean, maybe having Tony as an in means that like they. I mean, obviously, he's going to get called in for the next Avengers movie, you know, but um, I also think that they probably should kill off uh, Cap at some point. I think he's going to die at the end of, of Affinity War Part 1. I that's... agree. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, and I think that's, again, like this point where he's, he can semi-retire and, and then we find out like he doesn't handle retirement well, but he's trying to do it and then gets called in to help and then dies. Like, I feel like that's a good good art like he's determined to be retired but he hates it and he looks forward to his chance to help and then when he does he because even in this case i really did get the impression that when he said i'm not going to sign the accord i think he totally would have been willing to be like you know what fine i'm subject to the law i won't fight except that bucky came up right i mean that's the thing about steve rogers right bucky is his his button he is going to even before bucky was a soviet assassin uh, you know, back in the first Avenger, he is going to ignore his commanders, going to ignore the fact that he's basically a glorified showgirl, and uh, go across enemy lines and save Bucky Barnes. Yeah. That's what Steve Rogers does. Uh, Bucky is his best friend, the most important person in his entire life, uh, even more so than Peggy, uh, because Peggy he only knew for a short period of time, whereas Bucky he grew up with. Uh, and... Uh, it doesn't matter what the law says. It, it doesn't matter what anything is. Steve will always burn the world before he'll burn Bucky. And again, if they weren't unjustly hunting down Bucky, or if he didn't know that they would kill Bucky, even if, you know, even if he was had done what it was, which he probably didn't believe he was willing to trust Bucky, he knew that they were going to do a kill order, so he would fight to make sure they didn't kill him and bring him in peaceably, you know? And that's the thing where it's like, you, you totally get that. Whereas if it was someone else... I feel like we could have bet that he would just argue with them instead of fighting them, you know? Right. Uh, and so, again, I, I think it's the kind of thing where Steve is willing to retire for a little while, who knows how long it would actually sit with him. Um, 
and I think that's where he's at now. Um, but so before we move off from Steve, because uh, I actually think emotionally there's not much more about Steve to talk about. We right. need to talk about Sharon Carter. Yes, we do. Uh, so uh, Sharon Carter, the niece, grandniece, I would assume, but yeah, it's got to be grandniece of uh, Peggy Carter, uh, which also doesn't make sense chronologically because Peggy, as far as we know, only had a brother who died in World War II. So I, whatever, maybe Peggy married a guy whose last name was Carter. Not impossible. Uh, and um, so they met in the Winter Soldier, where uh, uh, Sharon was basically the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent assigned to keep an eye on Steve. So she was his neighbor. Um, she pretended to be Kate, the nurse. Uh, and then uh, Steve realized she was a spy uh, after uh, Nick Fury died. Um, and Or quote-unquote died. Died, yeah. And, Comic book uh, died. He, he was quite upset about this, but by the end of the movie, he kind of came terms with the fact that she was a good person who was just, you know, doing her job. Uh, no ill intent. And then in this movie, this is the first time he realizes she's related to Peggy, which is at Peggy's funeral, where Sharon is asked to speak. Uh, and what I want to talk about here is the uh, unnecessary romance. Uh, now, maybe you disagree, Michael, which is fine. But all of their scenes where they almost kiss or kiss just felt so forced. Uh, the scene in the hotel where, you know, right before Sam comes up and is like, you've got to see this because the UN building got exploded. Right. Um, they're kind of talking about Peggy. They're, they're talking about Peggy, the love of Steve's life, other than Bucky Barnes, as far as we know. And because uh, uh, I will say Steve probably loves Bucky more, just in a different way. Uh, and... Uh, they almost have this weird, awkward kiss, like after the funeral of the love of your life, uh, you almost kiss her niece who you barely talked to in the last movie. And as far as we know, you've had no contact with since then because of the things he says about like, she reminds him she was just doing this, her job, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, but maybe it was just like emotions getting the better of them or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. But then they kiss later in the movie and it's just so awkward. I'm just like, what? Did this belong here? And I'm not saying they can't be together and that that can't be built up to, but I, I just felt like the way they did it in this movie is strange. So I can say that I agree entirely. <laughs> um, I It was just a bit too quick. Like, I actually really like the idea of him being with someone who was close to Peggy because that's a bonding point and so on, but not so soon after, you know? Right. It's like right after the funeral. And granted, you know, you could say that he had already come to terms with the fact they're not going to be together. She's had a full life and so on and so forth. And now he like, he loves her in a, in a little bit of a different way at that point. And, you know, he kind of already came, maybe he even already came to terms with the fact that she's not around for much longer and all that. But, but in the end, I think it would have been much more lovably awkward if he had just like asked her to dinner instead of kissing her at that yes. like at the scene and it would have to me would have fit steve better would have been like you know it's like so, you know what can i do to repay or she asked him to dinner you know right. like like it'd be like hey, you know thank you so much what can i do to repay you you know well dinner would be nice or something and, right you know like and that would have been great and fit steve perfectly i think and also up to the point of the funeral Everything Steve knew about her, other than she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent now with the CIA, was a lie. Right. Like, he didn't know she was a Carter. 
Like, he didn't know her. By the, he only learned the, her real name at the end of The Winter Soldier. Like, what what does he actually know about her other than she's Peggy's niece? And, and she she's helped a nice him speech. a lot. Right. Uh, the helping, though, mostly comes after the funeral, though. So right. that scene, just the scene in the hotel was extremely awkward to me. And then the kiss was so out of place because, one, you're, like, running for your lives and, like... She just brought you guns and you're like your stuff, which is great. But I think they were trying to almost go for the kind of kiss Peggy gave Steve right before he got on the plane. But it lacked the story and emotion to support that. Right. And I I think they could have built that up over the course of this entire movie and then maybe had the kiss at the end. But the way they did it was just weird. I, I mean, essentially, it felt Hollywood fast instead of Steve Rogers speed to me. But honestly, it, it felt no homo to me because they're so afraid. I feel like oh, of yeah. people being like, well, Steve loves Bucky that they were like, oh, no, no, no. Let's make it clear that Steve is very heterosexual. That's so, I, you know, that's fair. Um, well, uh, anyways, we need to speed along to other characters. So uh, next obvious character, I guess, to touch on is uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. Um, so I guess I, you know, I'll, I'll start off. I, it's, there, it's interesting what they've done with his character over the course of this entire series, because he's basically always in some state of psychological distress yes, and just never dealing with it, which is interesting because of course, you know, in other versions and versions of the comics and stuff, he's a drunk and so on. So instead he's just, they're just making him somebody who is not coping. You know, like he, he's bad at coping with life essentially. And which really, is many of us. Yeah, which is, but he's he's kind of extreme, especially yeah. because he's so brilliant in so many ways and stuff. And it's just like, you know, my what I said about my expectation going in is like, even if I end up agreeing with him, which I didn't really in this case entirely, I was going to disagree with how he did it. And and it's just Tony is so easy to dislike. Like, it's so easy to dislike him, even when he's arguing for what you what you would want. So when he's arguing for something that you, you know, you see the obvious flaws, it's just like, dude, chill, like, just try, think... try and be empathetic to other people in a way that's not like, he, he's always really, really self-righteous, I guess. Yeah. Which, you know, Steve is too, but it's in completely different ways. Uh, to- Tony is an engineer. Right. Uh, I know Tony Stark's, you know, I mean, with less anxiety, but, uh, <laughs> and superpowers, uh, but you know. Tony, to me, he's very sympathetic. I understand where he's coming from. And I think, I don't know if I want to, I feel like Tony had a lot of scenes in this movie. He had a very strong emotional story that was being told. Uh, You know, he was confronted with his own guilt, um, which is Ultron is completely his fault. Oh, yeah. Like, that doesn't fall on anyone's shoulders except Tony. I mean, this whole situation is his fault. Right, so every everything falls on his shoulders. You know, Pepper is separated with, from him, which I did not like and I do not approve of, but that's the I way think the that's, canon went. Well, and I think it's entirely contract issues, not I, anything else. I think so, too. And I hope she comes back and they're all cool and this was just a temporary thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, because... Okay, so Pepper's problem in Iron Man 3 was not that Tony was a superhero. No. Her problem was his obsession. And in Age of Ultron, yes, you can argue that's a continuation of his Iron Man 3 obsession, so he didn't learn. Um, but I just, 
I'm not sure. It, he, he's misinterpreting her what her problem is, essentially. Yes. He, he's misinterpreting it, and he keeps trying to patch over it, which he even addresses in this, you know, when he says that he and, uh, and Pepper are taking a break, and he's like, you know, and I was kind of hoping that this Accord thing would kind of meet in the middle. It's like, but that's, you're still missing the point. Right. You know, you need to stop being obsessed. You need to be, realize that, like, hey, if people need me, I will help, but I don't have to take on this myself, like, all of this myself. You know? So, you know, Tony is doing all of this stuff that's driven by his guilt. Uh, then Rhodey gets hurt. And Rhodey is like Tony's bedrock. Uh, and we're very lucky that didn't send him into revenge mode, right? Like It sort that of did, could, though. It sort of did, but he kind of got over it as soon as he realized the reality of what Zemo, well, what they thought Zemo was doing. Right. Right? He was able to put that aside. Um, but then in the end, of course, re- realizing that Bucky killed his mom because no one really cares about Howard Stark in this uh, mm-hmm. timeline. Uh, <laughs> I, he he just he loses it, and which is completely understandable, especially with all the pressure he's been under. And you know, it's... right. But the thing that gets me, the thing that I'm upset about, is not Tony's story. Tony's story makes complete sense. It's that Tony stole all the emotional beats in this movie. All of the emotional beats in this movie are about Tony. Tony's guilt. Tony's friend who dies. Tony's parents. But this is not Iron Man 4. This is Captain America 3. And that really disturbed me. Because I wanted a Captain America movie. And Cap's only emotional beats are must protect Bucky. I think one of my problems, or one of my, my things with that is, you know, with multiple Cap movies, you're getting into the territory. And you know how much I love Superman and I defend Superman against other people. But like... Cap is already a stable character. So you know? I would, but the thing is, is that this should not have been Tony's movie. It should have been Bucky's movie. Yes. Because Bucky okay, is part of Steve's, to me, there are characters who are part of that superhero, right? Like Rhodey is part of Tony. Their stories are intrinsically linked. Bucky is part of Steve, you know? Uh, Peggy is part of Steve. Uh, Sam Wilson right now is part of Steve. These are right. characters that I consider to be part of of Steve Rogers' retinue. Uh, Tony Stark is not one of those characters. So if the story had been about Bucky struggling with his guilt, which we'll talk about more when we get to Bucky, because they barely dealt with it. Um, But that would have been fine with me. Uh, But instead, they chose this focus on Tony, which makes sense in the Civil War context, but that, more than anything, made this feel to me more like Avengers 3 and less like Cap 3. You know, you're right in that it basically uses... I mean, if you think about it, up until now, Cap and and uh, and Tony, like they keep bumping up against each other. And part of it is Tony doesn't, you know, he's so indignant all the time, and he's so self righteous. And Cap, I don't think Cap is so much self righteous. It's like he feels like he's he being just righteous. Is righteous. He's righteous. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like he's righteous on others' behalf. Tony is like, I'm right all the, you know, he... Tony also has a massive chip on his shoulder when right. it comes to Cap, which they... Because you know, Cap is better than him. Well, no, it's not because Cap is better than him. It's because Tony grew up with Cap's existence. Yeah. Like, and and they mention that in this movie, and, you know, they mention it in Avengers. They mention it everywhere. You know, like, this is the guy my dad was always talking about. And in the comics, it's even more clear. But they've really alluded to it into the movies that, and and if you watch, like, Agent Carter, right, Howard loved Steve. Um, Yeah. Not 
romantically, but he, he lo- like Steve was his greatest creation second to Tony, I would say. Yeah. Because uh, I would argue Howard can only love things he creates. And he had a hand in making Steve. And that was like the best thing he'd ever done for the world up until he gave birth to, well, he didn't give birth to Tony, but he fathered <laughs> Tony. Um, and so because Steve is something Howard created, it's almost like, and I know they're like the same age, so weird. It's Whatever. like Tony but basically has an inferiority complex. like With like some yeah. older brother he never met. It's kind right. of like Tony had an older brother who died before he was born that he's always being compared against and he can never live up to. And that's just because Tony and Steve are completely different. Steve can't do the things Tony does. Steve can't invent, you know, Iron Man. Uh, but Tony doesn't see that. He just sees how he's only like how it's... It's basically like comparing yourself to Jesus and that you can never make the cut. But instead of just being like, I need to work harder, Tony gets bitter about that. Yeah, right? he gets bitter about it and has to prove that Cap is wrong. Right. Like over right. and over again. And, I, and so that's, I think you're right in that Tony gets all the, the emotional beats in this. But those emotional beats happen because of Cap. Like it's kind of a, where it's finally him, it's Tony finally learning how to deal with, to get over this. And in one way or another, every step of the way, Cap is involved and helps him finally, like, deal with everything. But it, it's kind of like Thor in that sense then, right? The movie Thor, how it's set up, not the character. Yeah, right? yeah. Loki steals all the emotional beats from that movie, right? And it basically makes it Loki's movie. But Loki is, you know, Part responding of the Thor to Thor and stuff. and stuff like that. But, you know, you watch Thor and you're, you get to the end. And, like, I've had many talks with people where I'm like, they're like, Thor is a weird movie. And I'm like, yeah, but if you view it as Loki's movie, it's better. Uh, and uh, that's true. If you view it as Loki's movie, it makes a lot more sense because Loki's the one with all the emotional beats. And usually emotional beats belong to the main character, not necessarily the hero, Yeah. but, but the main character. And, you're, and again, part of this and a lot of the other stuff that we're going to get to, and we probably need to speed up, but uh, is part of it is just it's a franchise movie and they have a whole lot to set up. And yeah. they need Tony to be over this hump, you know, yep. because he's been stuck in it for several movies. Yeah, I don't know um, if this is going to get him out of it, though. Uh, I feel like it's at least a step in the right direction. Maybe the first step in the right direction. Maybe. Yeah. But let's. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> yeah. next. Who do we want to talk about next? Um, Natasha. I, yeah, so I love Natasha. Yeah. Uh, she didn't really have any character development because she didn't really need it. Uh, you know, I think this movie could be retitled Natasha Deals with Stubborn Men. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. Like, Natasha is the primary sensible person. Uh, I would say the only sensible person, but again, one of three who I think act reasonably, and we'll get to the other two later. But, uh, yeah, she's just, she's right from the get-go. She says the right thing. She agrees with a person who she has much less of an emotional connection to because... She realizes that agreeing with him is the fastest way to do what, or the, you know, if she has to pick, that that's the most reasonable way to make sure that they continue to do what they do, which is protect people. Right. Um, and, and, I, and I also think Natasha, you know, saw the after effects of Ultron and uh, that Tony, I mean, Steve couldn't control Tony and Ultron, uh, you know. Yeah. They, maybe they do need oversight, but she also doesn't want the Avengers to be torn up. And she realizes that Steve and Bucky are fighting for something uh, that they think, of course, if, Baron, if Zemo's uh, plot had been real, is a real threat. 
right? And right. that that real world threatening threat trumps their issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, that's I, that's pretty much all I've got to say about her. Is you know, I really is... loved her and Clint's fight where they were obviously like not trying to hurt each other. Uh, because we've seen a real Clint-Natasha fight in Avengers, right? Yeah. Where Clint is brainwashed and he is trying to kill her. And Natasha is not trying to kill him, but she is trying to take him down. She and, has to fight as hard yeah. as she can, basically. And this this was not a real <laughs> fight. And that's why Wanda, right? Uh, yeah. Through, and, and I loved that, that they could be on opposite sides. But, you know, some people, you just can't fight. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're too emotionally involved in each other. You know, Natasha is a part of Clint's family. Clint's family has adopted Natasha, and that's the only family she's ever had. Uh, though I do want to talk about one other not real relationship in this movie that I thought they hinted at, and I'm not sure if it's going to be a thing. Uh, when Bucky escapes the UN and he's fighting Natasha, Natasha says, you could at least remember me. I thought this was going to go somewhere in the movie, and it didn't. Uh, and I'm not sure where and what she was referencing if they were Was that going... not from Civil War, maybe? No, she this, was... You mean Winter Soldier? I mean, sorry, Winter Soldier? But I, I don't think it's reasonable to think Bucky would remember anything from... The only time he fought Natasha was that fight that started on the bridge, and then he chased after her in the streets. And he had a couple brainwashings in there. Well, and, and so the impression I got is that they didn't know he was brainwashed during that fight. And, that, in in uh, DC? In, no, 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 in this movie. No, like when I she agree said they him. didn't know he was brainwashed in this movie. What I'm saying is I think it's unreasonable for them to assume he wasn't brainwashed in D.C. and therefore remember anything that happened in D.C. Well, right? At that point, they didn't know he remembered everything he had done while under the influence. Did she say remember or recognize? Recognize, I think. Regardless. Yeah, so, so in that case, because like clearly if she knows that Steve is saying he recognized him, then that means she, I mean, he should have studied up on the arrest of the Avengers, you know, and is a guy and know that, hey, yeah, but, like, but I am Bucky Steve's friend. Has very good reason to recognize Steve. Uh, and, and I guess to me, I, I guess the, the, the little shipper I am, I, I thought they were going for the, uh, you know, Winter Widow. Uh, I really love them together. <laughs> and of course, the whole backstory in the comics that Bucky trained Natasha and things like, or helped, helped train Natasha. Um, and there's a lot I love about that storyline. So I thought they were hinting at that. And I think the door is still open with that line, though. It wasn't, like I said, it didn't go anywhere. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess my, my whole read was just that she was like, Hey, like, you know, that I'm not out to get you, you know, like uh, take it easy and then you know but he doesn't react at all because of the thing so i i felt like it was more of that because see but that doesn't make sense to me in context of the movie because he has not seen her up to that point in the movie at all uh that's his first time encountering her in civil war so his only other encounter with her would be dc uh their fight because he she was not on the helicarrier with steve and then where he shot her in you know the middle of the desert or wherever it was when she was protecting a scientist yeah then you're right actually now that you say that you're right and it does read a bit more awkwardly to me than it did um okay so bucky well so uh, let's let's go let's figure out who do you think because i've mentioned that i think three characters with actual agency act reasonably over the course of this movie for them who do you think the other ones are outside of 
Uh, see, I really don't think he does either. But uh, I think he's is the hero of the movie. That doesn't mean I think he acts reasonably. I think it's just I think he just learns a lesson by the end and therefore yeah. becomes the hero. But we can get into that. Uh, <laughs> or we can talk to him to talk about him now, and we'll I'll after mean, this. I'm, 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 no, I'm gonna try to guess. Hawkeye. Okay. Close, but not quite. I think he's just being a good friend. Um, yeah, I mean he, that's reasonable to him. He he's coming in for a very specific purpose, which is to save Wanda because he owes her a debt. Yeah. Uh, he's he's Vision? again he's borderline. I mean I think Vision. <sighs> Maybe, but he doesn't really have that much agency. Like he just kind of sits there and. You I, know, I don't. I don't know. Who, who are your other two okay. people, Michael? You can't leave me so, in anticipation. So one of them is actually Wanda, who she's like, "Hey, people are scared of me. I'm gonna sit here, and not, <laughs> try not to scare them." Uh, and that then after a while, reasonable. she's like, "What?" That does seem reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "People are really scared of me. I feel bad about this thing." I'm going to sit here and listen, and then after a bit, he's like, okay, no, this is, you guys are being a bit extreme. I'm going to go and make sure my friends don't kill each other. Like, um, like she te- seems totally reasonable and kind of lovable over the course of the entire movie. Oh, Wanda's um, totally lovable. So, um, so she was one, and then the last one is actually Bucky, who pretty much acts totally reasonable for his given situation the entire time. It's you know, like, that, hey. that's completely fair. Bucky is just kind of like, leave me alone. I have my it, backpack and my plums. And he's like, I did not do this. Me. You're going to try to kill me. <laughs> I am not going to let you kill me. And I'm not going to kill any of you. But please, tr- like, I'm going to keep running because you're not going to give me a fair shot. You know? I did love that scene, though, where Bucky totally tossed that guy into the stairwell and Cap caught him and was like, really? <laughs> yeah exactly so so anyways that, that's why i wanted to get that because you wanted to talk about bucky next and i just wanted to throw that in there where like he is i actually think the entire time i was like no nope, bucky's actions all make entire like even if you abstract it out he's doing pretty much the right thing to do at each time which is i'm not gonna let them kill me so i'm gonna run and oh now that they've captured me i'm going to comply because they haven't killed me you know, and then this uh, guy starts saying these words. I know brainwash me and I'm going to try to break out and kill him before yeah. he can. Oh, yeah. Wait. Like like he is basically somebody who doesn't want to hurt anybody and is trying not to hurt people without letting them kill him for th- something he didn't do. Yeah. And, and because so. of that, I don't think there's a lot to say about Bucky in this movie because they didn't give us a lot of time to. There, there was a lot of scenes with Bucky and Steve, but there weren't a lot of um, time to, like, dwell on the emotions and the angst and the struggle. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I think going forward, like, let's say if there was a Winter Soldier movie, which there's not, uh, it would have to be about, you know, the fact that Bucky says at the end he remembers every single thing he did as the Winter Soldier. Right. And yeah. the guilt of that is what's driving him. Which we'll get to guilt as a subject later, because I feel like that's a big, big theme in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but we let's talk through more characters. Although, I one thing about Bucky, they could, whenever they kill Cap off, I feel like that'd be the right time to bring Bucky on. Yeah, and, and before, to segue briefly to Sam Wilson with Bucky, because Sam didn't really have a lot yeah. he did in this movie other than follow uh, Steve and work with Bucky. I loved how Sam and Bucky interacted. Like every one of their little scenes together was like the best, you know, where <laughs> Bucky's like, can you move your seat forward? Yeah. Or like, why didn't you do that in the first place? I hate you. Yeah. It's basically a like, look, I'm helping you because Steve's my friend, but that doesn't mean I like you. You know, I think and by the end, versa. they kind of have a grudging, like, you know, 
oh, they totally respect each other. Like, but yeah, it's just kind of like they're both Steve's kind of best friends meeting each other for the first time, and they. But then you know, I, I while I had qualms with the scene of Sharon and Steve kissing, I really liked when they looked back in the car and Bucky and Sam were just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was hysterical, and I laughed really hard. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I mean, we could kind of segue from Bucky into Sam right there. Although there's not much else to be said about that. He was mostly, like, as you mentioned before, a, a part of Steve. Just kind of an yeah. extension of Steve. In, really. in this movie, even more so, he's just a supporting character. Yeah. And, th and that's because they didn't really have a lot of time to focus on him. Right. Um, so moving from them to... Can I'm trying to think. T'Challa. Yeah, let's like... talk about T'Challa. Yeah. So uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Black Panther. Amazing debut to the Black Panther, and I am super excited about the movie. Uh, I am pumped about the Black Panther movie. <laughs> I am extremely bummed that we have to wait two years for it. <laughs> I try not to think about that. Uh, it's That's a bummer. But, um, yeah, no, he did just an amazing acting job, an amazing representation, representation of him and his followers, just, like, getting you to read just enough into it. And just, um, like, his poise... And his, like, manner, like, I believed this was someone raised as a leader and a prince. Yeah, right? absolutely. By like, a good father. Totally, totally believable. Totally empathetic to his desire to kill Bucky. I think he was wrong to do so. To, oh, to I go wanted after to it, shake but... him the whole movie. Like, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's uh, what I meant by saying that he's not one I think was acting reasonably because it's like, hey, hey, get the evidence of this. Like, listen to people who are you know, don't just go and execute the guy is, is kind of a thing. And I know that yeah. that's a thing a lot of people do, but, and I tend to be more level-headed when it comes to, to that kind of thing where people are like, yeah, of course you should go after some so-and-so if they hurt people you love. And I'm like, I don't even know if I would be able to do that in but real you, life. But, I mean, the thing about revenge is it doesn't save anyone. Yeah. It, you, you can't it, bring your father back. So, so I agree entirely that he's the hero of the story, and it's just because he got to see other people make the mistakes that he was about to make. He's the only he one who learned anything. Like, now we can make arguments about the others growing and, you know, but I, I don't really have a lot of confidence that neither Steve nor Tony, like, truly learned something. Whereas I feel like T'Challa actually, like, he saw the path his actions were going to lead him down, you know, in the way Tony was behaving. And he was like, I don't want to be that. Yeah. And then he's the one who brought Zemo in. Otherwise, with Steve and Tony fighting each other, Zemo was just going to kill himself, and no one would have gotten justice. Right. So, uh, so, yeah, kudos to them. Kudos for his setup. Kudos for his involvement in this without taking over the movie. Uh, kudos for having him resolve the situation. And just and uh... kudos for his act of, you know, kind of trying to get forgiveness from Steve and Bucky by bringing them into Wakanda in the end. You know, yeah. like he realized he made a mistake and he's not hiding from that fact. He's making amends. Right. So like a grown up. Yeah. Like I, I am very, very, very happy with that. Um, yeah. Anything else on T'Challa? No, I think he's awesome and adorable. And I think his movie is going to be great. Um, before we get into the other guests from other things, I guess we can talk about Vision. Oh, um, Vision. So Vision loves Wanda. Uh, <laughs> I rocks, love that. He ro rocks this amazing sweater. 
uh, which I you just know, love. I was really nervous about the sweater when I saw it in the stills that were released uh, before the movie. I was like, oh, Vision wearing clothes. I don't know how I feel about that, which uh, was a really weird conversation I had with one of my friends one time where I realized I just said that I thought someone looked better without clothes on. And I was <laughs> like, wait. <laughs> uh, but he did. He rocked the sweater. I thought it was hysterical. Um, I did not see the stills beforehand, so the first time I saw it was in the movie, and I laughed out loud. And the friend I was with looked at me, like, wondering what I was laughing at, um, <laughs> which was great. Uh, I think uh, I think they actually did a good job of kind of showing us his powers pretty well in this. I, I think they didn't really know what to do with him. I think this is going to be a struggle, uh, because in the big fight the, at the airport, Vision didn't really do much. Um, he he did like uh destroy that one building um to try to stop Sam and Steve but you know he could have just flown over there and stopped Sam and Steve but he didn't uh there were a lot of things he could have done and he didn't and i think the writers don't really know how to deal with the fact that vision is so powerful compared to everybody else um and so i'm not sure they knew what to do with him i actually suspect that that may have been somewhat on purpose because he makes a mistake at the end right and right. they ask, like, and, and Tony asks him what, you know, what happened is, like, I got distracted. I didn't know that could happen. Is like, I didn't either. And I think that's the thing is, I, I think it may very well be just that he's, you know, fallen in love with Wanda and that's distracting him. Um, and it's just, like, throwing him off his game. And, I'm, and maybe they just didn't depict that well. But I like, I like to think that they're essentially humanizing him and introducing fault or introducing what's perceived as weakness and he's going to choose that weakness anyways because he likes it you know um uh, also i really love the call out to his infinity gem and having no idea what it is um because yep. you know one of my friends who has not seen every marvel movie was like so what is what is like why did they spend the time talking about the gem he's like oh it's one of the infinity gems which you know did you see guardians of the galaxy that's another one, and that's one of the big things that's going to happen in, in, you know, Infinity War, because, like, there's going to be some fight over these gems. Um, and, and they were like, oh, that makes sense then, to keep doing little call-outs every time you have one around. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I like that well enough. I, I think that he's the second most adorable of the characters. Nope, third most, sorry. After Wanda and another one we're about to talk about. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I like I liked Vision. Um, so Wanda and Vision. Yeah. Why don't, why don't we uh, talk about that? So a lot of people I found I, who aren't familiar with the comics were kind of surprised by it. And of course, those of us who are familiar with the comics are uh, rooting for it or not based on our feels for uh, WandaVision. <laughs> uh, I happen to adore Wanda and Vision together. Um, and uh, I... You know, I, I think Vision, you know, he's very young. He's very well-intended. Um, I definitely read some commentary where some people thought it was a little creepy that he was, you know, he was the one who had to keep her in the house, but he's the one who also, like, has feelings for her. Uh, so it kind of puts him in this weird spot. Um, but, you know, want, uh, Vision, and I, I guess this is more focused on Vision in this, because uh, I think right now Wanda still kind of views him in a more friendly manner. Um Vision is still a baby, mm -hmm. right? And Tony is basically his dad. Uh, and uh, so it's not that he's going to do what Tony tells him to do because Vision 
has a mind of his own and makes his own decisions. Uh, but I think he still doesn't know, like, maybe it's, you know, not okay to keep a girl trapped in a house against her will. Like, you know, maybe if she wants to go to the grocery store, you should just escort her to make sure nothing happens. <laughs> uh, you, you know, like, he, he doesn't have... It, and some people have read it, I guess, more nefariously, just because there's this weird context of him, like, having emotions and, like, different, you know, things about her and different things, you know, societally about, you know, guys trying to control girls and blah, 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 blah. But I, I think with Vision, it's really just, like, you basically have, like, a 10-year-old boy uh, mm -hmm. who's been told to do something, and he just... He doesn't know any different. So it's funny because I read that the same way and he's not the only character that this is true of in this movie. We just haven't talked about the other one who I think has basically the exact same situation. And it is. He's an immature character, uh, but a well-intentioned one who is easily manipulated into doing something for the that he believes is for the benefit of others. He loves Wanda. He is told that this is to protect Wanda. And so he's going to do it to protect her. And right now, Vision is a little bit easily manipulated. Exactly. He's easily manipulated, which, yeah, I mean, I don't have much else to talk about Wanda and Vision. Do you, before I segue into another character? Or? Uh, no, but I, I, I think uh, let's save Spider-Man for last, because oh, okay. I feel like we're going to have a lot of thoughts about him. Okay, we will. Uh, so before we get to Spider-Man, uh, I just want to say Ant-Man. Well, should we talk about Zemo first? Because I feel Zemo. like Ant-Man plays a similar role to Spider-Man, and so we can do Zemo, then Ant-Man, then segue into Spider-Man. Yeah, but I feel like they're completely different. But They okay. are very different. They're very different. Uh, Zemo, the bad guy, who yes. I keep wanting to call Baron Zemo, but he is not a Baron. <laughs> not in this movie. <laughs> um, in the comics, he's a Baron, for those listening who don't know. But yeah, I I was kind of surprised that uh, in the end, like the plot twist, I actually was surprised. I, I knew his family was dead with him listening to that phone call. Right. Um, but I didn't assume he was trying, that his actual goal was to destroy the Avengers internally. Like I thought maybe he was trying to wake up those super soldiers. So I, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I, I kudos. Like, I just didn't see that coming. That was... Uh, I was really genuinely as surprised as the characters were, yeah. which is not happen often, and it's pleasant. And you don't have to do that in a movie for me to like the movie, but it was done well. Um, it was. Uh, I also really like that the terrorist was a white man uh, instead of a, another brown man. Mm. <laughs> uh, it was just kind of a nice little little thing. It's like you know they don't all have to be brown <laughs> or minorities of any kind. You know you you can you can have people doing terrible things that are white and it and works. it also makes complete sense within universe sokovia has yeah, got to be a major place of unrest right now and just the fact that he has this complete reason uh you know i wouldn't be surprised if in universe we could have a lot of terrorists coming out of sokovia oh absolutely yeah i think that makes a ton of sense i mean um, that's essentially what wanda and pietro were right right absolutely so uh Man, they, I think they did just an amazing job with Zemo. He's frankly way more interesting to me than comic book versions of Zemo have ever been. Um, to me, at least. Because he's just some guy who, like, yeah. can't... Like, he knows he can't take down the Avengers himself. He doesn't have powers. He doesn't have any... And he doesn't want to take over the world. He's not a supervillain. He's just a guy who's pissed off at these superheroes. Um, and frankly... So, a little callback to... Uh, you mentioned her uh, earlier, the mother who talked to Tony... Um, he's wrong in the same way she is. And that, no, no, you're totally, like, you should feel sad. Anger is fine, like, is reasonable and understandable and stuff. But in the end, like, 
you don't know that these people don't feel terrible about what's right. what's happened. Like, you know, because in, in both cases, both of them talk about it. And, like, the the mother talking to Tony is like, and you guys don't care. It's like, of course they care. They, you, and they you, care immensely. Yeah. They care immensely. They're wearing, and I guess now is the guilt conversation. They are all feeling this guilt before anything, like, before this stuff comes up. Like, they feel it every single time. Mm-hmm. And these people who hate them as a result, it's like, you are... You're doing this thing that people do in the real world all the time, and it's always terrible, is you're attributing malice or attributing lack of concern for for humanity to someone who you feel is responsible for a given situation. And either they sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not responsible, but because they are the person that you can put this blame on, you're going to, and you're going to decide that they don't care. It's like, no, Tony cares a lot. Like, does he care as much as you do that your son died? Well, no, because he didn't know your son. But he cares a lot, and he wants to do something, you know. Yeah. And it's a, and in this situation too, like with with Zemo, is a, and it's you know, in the real world, people lose their families, and it makes them do like horrible things. And sometimes people who don't do horrible things are just broken forever, you know, and they lose their families. So it's not a, like it is it it is the kind of thing that could drive somebody to do something, you know, at this sort of scale. But it's still the sort of thing where it's still not the right move to make. Like, it's still, when it comes down to it, it's like, mm, you know, like, these people died a lot, or these people died, and maybe these people could have done something about it, but you're still assuming a whole lot about them in the process. And uh, But I liked it. He felt like a real, actual person. Um, yeah, and, and I'm not yeah. sure even Zemo was attributing malice to the Avengers. I think he just did, wanted to see them fall. Well, he it wasn't malice. He said though, um, I can't remember when it was that he was talking. Maybe it was in the in the room when he's like, you know, when he was telling the story about what happened to his family, uh, and so he he says it and he's like, and then the Avengers they just left, and the implication being not that it was malice, but that they don't care, yeah. like that we are nothing to them. Whereas that's just not true. Like you know, they they do value human life, which is what drives them to do what they do in the first place. Like, you know, the accusation of you're not fighting for us, you're fighting for yourselves. Like, no, that's really not true. If you if you know them, but the peop that these people don't know them, you know. Right, so. and I uh, something else I also think that was interesting with Zemo is releasing Bucky was his last resort. Uh, that's not something he actually wanted to do, right? He went to that Hydra guy first to get the information he needed. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, because uh, he hated. I mean, it was a great way to intro him. Mm-hmm. He's like, I hate Hydra. Hydra can burn, <laughs> you know. Right. And uh, he, but the Hydra guy refused to give him the information he needed. So his only other option was Bucky, right? Uh, but if uh, that Hydra guy had given him what he needed, he may not have gone after Bucky at all. Yeah. Which, would have found some other way to get Steve and Tony up to that uh, Siberia. Yeah. I mean, and Bucky was going to be involved in some way anyways because he's the one who killed him, but it would have just been Tony angry at Steve for hiding it kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, the, it, there are a lot of layers there, and I, I think Zemo is one of the best parts of the movie in that they just they executed him really well. Um, again, he's not some kind of crazy superhero sort of thing or a supervillain and wearing a weird costume, you know, he's just a dude. Um, and I like that a lot. Uh, so, uh, I guess next up we've got, uh, Ant-Man. Oh, Ant-Man. 
I really enjoyed how Ant-Man was used in this movie. Um, and we're going to talk about this later when we talk about Spider-Man. But I don't think Ant-Man took away from the movie. I think he uh, was just kind of deployed expertly. Uh, there was like, if you hadn't seen the Ant-Man movie, you have no idea where this guy is coming from. He's just kind of there. Um, Which but, is fine because a lot of the characters didn't either. Right. Uh, so it makes complete sense because everybody else is like, who is this this guy? You know, uh, I loved his uh he turned giant yes. um that was just so like it so well done uh though uh, uh i have a lot of qualms with the science of ant-man which <laughs> you know is not surprising well uh, science in this universe is magic as you and i have, have talked about before so. i was just really surprised he moved so slow as a giant because he doesn't move faster as a small person does he like he doesn't seem like he moves much faster. i i think he does proportionally like i think he he moves proportionally faster and he's absolutely stronger which is which again that's what thing like because you, you realize where so no he, he weaker if he's bigger and that's the thing that confuses <laughs> me is like it seems like they actually am- amplified his strength when he got big but then when he's smaller all of like he has all of the same strength but it's concentrated to a point you yeah know? it's it's it, so so the strength thing is weird the physics of it is weird uh i think they're just like it wouldn't really do much if he could be knocked over you know, with a regular a person's punch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I really enjoyed that whole scene. And I think my thing about Ant-Man um, in contrast to Spider-Man uh, is I don't think Ant-Man took away from the movie. Well, uh, Ant-Man's hysterical. Like, he's hysterical. He, he was just part of Cap's crew. You needed no backstory. We didn't know who his people were unless you, you know, his one line to his other people is like, you know, Hank Pym always told me not to trust a Stark and Tony's just like who are you you know and they're like that's that's yep yep that's all you need that's Ant-Man right there that's pretty great um okay so it seems like we disagree on Spider-Man so I don't know uh, if we disagree on Spider-Man I disagree with Spider-Man's deployment in the movie but okay well go ahead let's let's uh start so off with I, I will say I think he was the best Spider-Man we have ever seen okay good so we agree I, on that I think he's a great Spider-Man I resented every scene, every moment of the scene of Tony and um, Spider-Man and Aunt May in Queens, because I was like, this is not your movie. It's too much time. It's too much. It was way too much time. If it was just Spider-Man was suddenly there at the fight, like Ant-Man, I would have been fine. But instead, we had this whole scene, minutes of my life in a Captain America movie, (laughs) spent on the scene that no one from Team Captain America is in, and in fact, does not even relate to the struggle at hand, other than Tony is trying to recruit something. You know, I actually think that the biggest thing for that um, argument for it is if you think of of this as an Iron Man movie instead of a Captain America movie. Then it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense because it's like, wait, 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 Tony's recruiting child soldiers now. (laughs) That's that's another thing. So I love Spider-Man. I, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man, and not just Ultimate Spider-Man, like Miles Morales, like Peter Parker, like all of it. I Peter Parker, it. Ultimate Spider-Man is great. I, I love uh, Spider-Man. I don't, I don't so much like 616 Modern Spider-Man. No. That, that's a discussion for another day. Um, but, uh, so I really enjoy Spider-Man. It, it, it's just that Tony deployed a child soldier. He like this is a man who feels guilty over killing other people's kids in Sokovia. What if Spider-Man had died so, in that fight? So I will say though, again, as part of Tony's story in this, I think it makes sense because he's being again obstinate and driven, and he thinks what he's doing is right. So he does this thing, and he gets Spider-Man in, and then when he sees when he sees Peter on the ground, 
he's like, oh, crap, what did I just do? Kid, you're done. Like, and you know, I think that's him realizing what he just did. That's also why my, one of my going in theories for this movie was that Spider-Man was going to die in it. Because uh, that would have been rough. Because I thought that would be the only way the war could end, right? Is if, what if their fight killed a kid? Like, a kid they knew, a kid they recruited. Uh, like, if Tony recruited him and someone on Steve's side killed him, like, that would, that would have destroyed them. Um, yeah. But they didn't go that direction. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah, I was just like, that entire fight sequence, while, t- while Spider-Man was hilarious, I just, a 15-year-old Spider-Man in the Avengers, I just can't. He was like, hysterical, and he was so good. But, like, let's just, before we talk about the problem, let's just talk about how good he was, because he's so good. He's so funny. He's so, like, he so feels like a 14 or 15-year-old. I loved like, Sam's, like, I don't know how many battles you've been in, but there's not usually this much talking. <laughs> well, and then, and I just lo- love his, like, he's so clearly starstruck by all of them. Um, mm-hmm. And again, just like uh, Vision, easily manipulated by Tony, because mm-hmm. he's a child. Uh, you know, and, and it's, and he's doing what he thinks is right. He's like, oh yeah, you know, Tony said you would say that. Uh, and, um, and he also said to go for your legs, but just, and then his little, his comment about, uh, Empire Strikes Back was just, I, I was, I was laughing so hard. Like I was trying so to continue. I so. work with a lot of youth and I don't know anyone who's ever called Star Wars a really old movie. <laughs> I, I think that was a joke. Like, yeah. I think he was joking because he's, he's a wisecracker, right? Yeah. And so he's making jokes the whole time. Like he's just throwing things out. So I think he was intentionally trying to call them all old. I guess you know, that's fair. Like, I, I don't think he actually thinks of it that way. It's more of a, like, hey, you guys know this really old movie, Empire Strikes Back? Like, that sounds the kind of thing that, you know, when I go and I'm joking around with people at work or something, I, I did this, you know, this week where I was in a, in a meeting with people and I did sort of the reverse, joking about being old, even though I'm not. I was like, hey, like, we're going to keep this on the DL. Um, that's the, the down low, as the kids say. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not being serious about that. Like, I'm, clearly, I'm just overplaying. And I felt like it was the same kind of thing. Uh, I, I guess that's fair. <laughs> um, it was hysterical. I laughed really hard. But, and he just did so well in the fight and just, like, so I really appreciated, too, that uh, they emphasized how strong Spider-Man is. I yeah. think a lot of people under, like, despite the fact that we've had, like, five Spider-Man movies, the fact that we've never really seen Spider-Man with any other superhero, so we've not really had any comparison, right? Yeah. But Spider-Man stopped easily Bucky's metal arm. Oh, yeah. It's like clearly between the two of them, Spider-Man's way stronger. Oh, way stronger. Like, like he just catches his punch. And I mean, just and, like... and yeah, you get that if you watch the other movies and you see like Spider-Man can literally catch a car, right? Yeah. But, you know, just seeing that contrasted to everyone else, Spider-Man is so overpowered compared to them not uh, not vision uh but you know vision wanda spider-man these are a new league of heroes compared to your iron man and your captain america right right there is a new wave coming your captain marvels you know all that kind of stuff and that's the thing is like if you look at spider-man doesn't have training but he is faster stronger and more agile than captain america he you has know, spidey sense. He has spidey sense, so he has this additional sense where things are, if things are coming from behind him, he can tell. You know, he's just younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I like how in a very short period of time in his conversation with Tony, Tony, like, to establish that he's smart, you know, first they show that he's a nerd and scavenges things, and then there's just like, hey, this webbing, really cool, who made it? I did. Done. You acknowledge he's a smart kid. You're, like, you know, 
Spider-Man is one of the things that it drives home how well Marvel has been doing with this universe is they've been correcting so many problems that comic book movies do over and over and over, which is like long drawn out origins, over explaining everything. Spider, like he doesn't even talk about, the, you know, the thing that bites him. He's like, you know, when what happened to, ha to me happened to me, I got these extra senses. It was kind of sensory overload. The goggles you know, help me focus. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. I also Got really it. like that they, uh, the Spider-Man lives in an apartment. Yeah. You know, like all these other movies, like giving him like a house or whatever. And you're just like, that made sense maybe in 1970s Queens. Yeah. But today, if you own a house in Queens, <laughs> you are not some poor kid. Yeah. And, and Aunt May being not an old person makes a yeah. lot of sense too. Cause it's like, it never made sense to me that Aunt May was old because yeah, I was, it was like, like she what? has great aunts. Like I, Right. And so instead, she's like, okay, old enough to be his mom. Makes sense. And again, mm -hmm. so if you think about that, too, because you mentioned that Tony was essentially Vision's father. Mm -hmm. That's a kind of a similar role that he can have to to Spidey, you know, especially because they are both, you know, he's a brilliant scientist and he can kind of take him under his wing. You well, know? it's like, a continuation of the uh, Tony Harley relationship in Iron Man 3, right? Yeah. We've already been shown that Tony is... Uh, he wants to be a mentor to boys without fathers. Yeah. Like he wants to be a mentor to boys without fa fathers. And so like, I can believe that relationship continuing. And again, like this bit, and I, under I totally understand what you mean by it being more time to Spidey than really belongs in a cat movie. But he was what on the screen collectively, including combined with other people, maybe 10 minutes, you know, 15 minutes. I don't know how long that fight was. 15 minutes or something? That was like, a pretty long fight. It was a pretty long fight. But fights also feel longer than they are, too, because there's so much action going on and so much information for us to absorb. But regardless, like, that felt like a more complete movie one for Spider-Man than any of the other first movie Spider-Man movies, which I've liked. Because it's just like, hey, we, we got across what we need to know about him, and we're done. And uh, so... More of that, please. Less Batman origin stories, Superman origin stories, Spider-Man origin stories. Like, we, we don't need that. We already know who these characters are. Just show them what, what they're actually about and what they well, can do. Well, and, and I mean, to further that, you know, this movie was Black Panther's origin story. As yeah. much as Black Panther can have an origin story. Uh, because Black Panther's origin is it's a mantle of his people handled down. Yeah. Uh, you know, and but so Black Panther's movie doesn't need to be an origin. It could just be Black Panther being awesome. And again, it's it's one of the things with uh, that we went for a while talking about how bad Superman, um, whatever the movie was, I can't even think of it now. Uh, uh, Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Not even called Superman. Yeah, is is like so often they make superheroes are not about how they got their powers. They're about what they who do they are they have them. and what they do with them. You know, and and that. This, like, you got two, you introduced two superheroes, and they both felt great. And That feels said, like, in yeah. the, the scene with Tony and Spidey in his room, when Tony asked him why he wanted to be a superhero, I honestly expected the words to come out of his mouth, because with great power comes great responsibility. And it kind of felt, I don't know, weird that he didn't say it, because I feel like, it, it kind of felt like in the new Spider-Man when they really beat around the bush, didn't want to say with great power, great responsibility for some strange reason. Um, but I, I feel like 
it it should have ended with kind of Spidey Yaz rambling, but then being like, you know, it's like my Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, in this one, like we that. don't even know if he has an Uncle Ben right now. So, like, is his uncle already dead? Did he even have an uncle in this Well, one? he said because people get hurt, and so right. it was kind of insinuated that someone got hurt that he couldn't save. But at the same time, he could also just be noticing that because he lives in a world where the Avengers have been around since he was, what, nine years old? Yeah, I just, I, so. I, I just, I guess I'm sensitive to that after the last Andrew Garfield movies when I'm like, that's kind of Spider-Man's thing. I think they want to keep, they should keep that line for his movie. I guess that's fair. You know, but... and, and maybe whether he had an Uncle Ben or not, hopefully, I actually hope they'll just not do that because we've had. I don't think they need so to times. show it. I think they can just talk about like that he has a dead Uncle Ben. Maybe, um, but they could also have a thing where, you know what, he grows up some in his movie and comes up with a line himself. Could be. Like, and that, that would be cool, too. But so, and I also feel like it would have hijacked this movie a little bit more. But, um, but his line still hit Tony. Like, I think Tony was like, oh, that's, you know, there's a point there. Um, anyways. Uh, so it is kind of ironic that Tony uh, pulled in a vigilante. Also, did, did Spider-Man have to sign the accords in order to be at that fight? Can a minor sign the Sokovia Accords? Yeah, I have a lot of questions. I don't think... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, Otherwise, isn't he just a vigilante? Yeah, that's an interesting... Actually, that's an interesting point. Another hole. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all that said, like, how do you feel in general about this movie and how it fits and what it means for the universe? I think it's the best Avengers movie we've gotten. I think it was a mediocre, <laughs> mediocre Captain America movie. Uh, where does it stand in your kind of hierarchy of overall? Mm. Well, let's see. I, I, I haven't actually thought about that. In my ranking of Marvel movies that you know I have. Yes. Uh, I, I still think Iron Man is better. I still think The Winter Soldier is better. Uh, now, is it Are those better? the ones that you think are the best two, but your favorite? But your favorite is Thor? I think my favorite is Thor. Let, let's let's right. be clear. I love Thor. It is my favorite movie. It is not the best Marvel movie. Right, right. And, I, and I, I know you said, you and I both agree that uh, Winter Soldier is the best one. So is, do you think Iron Man's like number two after that? I or? do think. I think Iron Man's number two. Okay. That's, um, so I'm the same way. It's just that I happen to like Iron Man more than Winter Soldier. So it's my favorite. But I, but I think then we agree on what the number one and two are in terms of quality. So... You know, I, I think I'd have to watch it a couple more times to rank it, but I think it's in the top. I, I think it's up there. It's it's up there for me too. Um, I don't I, know I how. I think I, I have my own it. personal disappointment associated with it. Right. <laughs> but you know, and right now I'm still too close to it to kind of like watch it with a more critical eye. Um, I did more so the second time I watched it because the first time I just kind of came out like, I if you had asked me the first time, I would have told you like Spider-Man got an hour of that movie and I hated it. Um, <laughs> but then the second time I was like, ah, eh, that's not true. <laughs> um, so so I, I imagine then that it will fall higher on the scale in terms of how good you think it is than how much you like it. Yes. Okay. I, um, I definitely think it's above age of Ultron. Yes, uh, I agree. It's obviously above Hulk and Thor. Uh, yeah. I have both Thors, I would say. Yeah. So um, it's just kind of on the scale of where does it fall? compared to uh it, you know it's probably gonna be number three or four yeah i, I, I agree i can't figure like i'll probably have to kind of look at my list of movies to figure out where exactly but i agree it's probably certainly in the top five but it might be number three or four i'm not sure um sure where um in terms of setup uh 
so and we haven't touched on we've we've only touched on the the fact that this was a lot of build up and the fact that you know we think maybe cap should cap dying in infinity war part one would make a lot of sense and so on i am a little nervous though because so far i'm really liking all this but man they're turning they're turning up the heat in terms of how many of these movies come out and you and i have talked at length multiple times including once on this podcast about some of the problems with continuity and i'm really worried they're gonna get there with this franchise like i like i'm nervous because it's like so far so good but it's like how long can they keep this up before it just starts to fall under its own weight and starts to and honestly maybe it'll be a help that characters age or that actors age like maybe that will help them you know uh versus comic books which get ridiculous i i think that will i i think uh I think the introduce, introducing characters like Doctor Strange, who are not in any way related to any of the characters we've seen before, is going to help. Yeah. Because uh, Doctor Strange movie is completely independent of everything else, as far as I know right now. I haven't seen it, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, Black Panther can touch back on this movie, because obviously Bucky is in Wakanda, but it doesn't need to. Right. Um, and so, uh, Spider-Man's the same way. I already know that Tony Stark's going to be in Spider-Man. They've said that, um, which is kind of the only logical outcome of this movie, right? There's no way Tony's just going to let Spidey do whatever the heck he wants in Queens without at least making appearances, you know? Yeah. And, and heck, he can help Spidey, you know, Peter develop his scientific skills and all that Mm -hmm. stuff too. And And he's already got the relationship with Aunt May there, right? So, uh, um, but and Thor three is going to be completely divorced from this whole thing, uh, because Thor and Banner both weren't there for right. Civil War, and Asgard does not. You know, it's really funny because I really wanted Thor to be in this movie and be like, I am not held to your petty laws. Well, like, <laughs> and that was the thing is my you know friends were like, yeah, but if you brought Thor and Hulk into this, it would have made it ridiculous because clearly both of them would have like, I mean. Uh, Natasha points out, she's like, do you really think he would be on our side? It's like, of course not. Well, and Hulk, I mean, not Hulk. Hulk wouldn't have been. Thor would fall in the same gray area that Black Panther does. He is a visiting monarch. Yeah, he's like, hey, I don't care about any of your law. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do what I think is right, which is essentially, so if he picked a side, because everybody, for whatever reason, they turned it into this binary pick a side kind of thing. Uh, he would have been on Cap's side, but I don't think he would have bothered. He'd be like, this is stupid. I think he yeah. would have just stepped out and been like, this is not my my business. Yeah, it's like, I don't care about this. You, my friends, call me if you need my help. Out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I think that, I think that's going to give us some of the breath from uh, what a, everything will touch back, but it's not, I mean, that's Civil War. That's why it feels like an Avengers movie, right? It does have this intense continuity. Uh, that Doctor Strange, Thor 3, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming uh, are, are not going to have. I'm trying to think. There's another movie coming out in the next year. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I think. Uh, well, Guardians is, of the Galaxy 2 is specifically to set us up for Infinity right, War, right? but it's completely separate from everything that happens on Earth. Though oh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it absolutely. comes to Earth from what I've been seeing. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting, you know. And a lot of people have been, I, I've spoken about this before, I'm not sure I've spoken about it with you or on this podcast, that uh, I've seen a lot of people throwing around the phrase superhero fatigue after Batman versus Superman and this movie, and I think that's bogus. 
uh, I think uh, Marvel is its own set of like if if Marvel if this was a book series like a novel series we have not even touched even close to the longest novel series that exists. No, not at all. Uh, and you know I have like thirty maybe not that many that's probably too many. Uh, Dragon Riders of Pern books over there on that shelf, and I never get tired of them. <laughs> well, and one of the things, too, is the superhero fatigue thing is like, well, then maybe you shouldn't be watching the terrible ones. Yep. <laughs> like, don't support the DC ones when they're not really trying to make thoughtful stories. You know? Right, like, like, like people's dislike of Batman versus Superman, which I haven't seen, so I have no idea what kind of movie it is. I don't intend to see it either. Uh, <laughs> is not because of superhero fatigue. It's it's because of the movie. That's like saying chick flick fatigue. I, right. W- what chick flick fatigue? Give me all the chick flicks. Like, I you're will not, watch them you're all. You're not compelled to see everyone. <laughs> if if one gets absolutely horrible reviews, don't go watch it. Right. It's and a, the fact doesn't that, speak ill of all of the. It doesn't speak ill of all chick flicks. Right. And the fact that one chick flick is bad doesn't mean oh this must be and people didn't go see it is because oh well chick flick fatigue. It's like no, that was a bad chick flick. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like, do not. It, Batman vs. Superman or other superhero movies is like, you don't have to go to everyone. Go to the no. ones that actually look like they're going to be good. And that's you that. Know, I you still know, I still haven't seen Fantastic Four, the new one. Um, I haven't seen Batman vs. Superman, though there are talks of us going to see it uh, once it's in the Dollar Theater. Uh, yeah, I will see it when I can see it for free. Yeah. And, and even then, if I'll have to be really bored and maybe watch it in chunks, which I never do. You know, do. with X-Men Age of Apocalypse, I'm really on the fence. It might depend on what the reviews are like, but I'm not really sure I have an interest to go see it in the theaters. Um, but because, you know, Marvel is like, it's not Harry Potter, but it's basically like the Harry Potter I have right now, right? The thing that you look forward to, it's an event to go to like the midnight opening. Uh, you know, that that's what Marvel is right now to me. It's it's close to it. It's a step down from Star Wars for me, but it's like those are kind of the one and two. I, I would um, say it's not Harry Potter. Um, it, it cannot reach the level of Harry Potter fervor that was in my teenage heart. Yeah, the, the Harry Potter books were far above and beyond to me the current star wars movies or the marvel movies but um yeah no i all said and done i am i'm hopeful but a little nervous about the future of this franchise because i'm afraid of some of my problems with comic book continuity creeping in but again hopeful that it won't happen because you know they're subject to real people aging and uh, and you can see the setup and that you have all these new characters being phased in who like mm-hmm. you said they're a new kind of generation new level of superhero and they're going to replace the other ones like that's what's going to yeah. happen what so. place does hawkeye have in a fight with the scarlet witch and vision you know like, like yeah like none right uh, honestly what does uh uh what's it called uh black widow like she doesn't have a part either you know like she's she's kind of the sensible person on the team, but she's she can team do. Mom. Yeah, she's the team mom. But like, once you have all these people who are, you know, Hulk level, Scarlet Witch level people, like she's well, not it, really. And there. that's why my prediction is that Steve's gonna die at the end of Avengers Part One. Captain Marvel is gonna become the new leader of the Avengers, and we're gonna see a new type of Avengers. Yeah. Because Captain Marvel, Vision, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch, these are all um, tone. Tony cannot stand against the Scarlet Witch, no. you know? And, and I think it would be really cool to take some of the people who are around, the humans, and use them as advice, like have them as people who these people respect and take advice from, 
and sometimes argue with and then find out that they're wrong, you know, yeah. to argue with because they're kids the who Avengers are growing up. The Avengers mentors. Yeah, exactly. Like, do I mean, a lot of the time in the real world, coaches are not nearly as good at a given sport as the person they're coaching, but they still get listened they to because they know up. what they're talking about, you know? And, uh, and you know, so yeah, future coaches. <laughs> Um, and I, I think that they could continually bring Tony in after, you know, he retires from being Iron Man completely. He could still, I mean, he's a brilliant scientist and rich as heck, I, you know? like Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he's always had a place as being the James Bond Q of the yeah. Avengers. Uh, which is where we sort of thought they were going with. But they didn't. But they didn't yet. <laughs> and I think maybe it's just, you know, he makes us a lot of money. Let's keep him on for a little bit longer. Um, you know, yeah. but the fact that they injured Rhodey, you know, Don Cheadle, who's uh, getting up there in years, too, kind of yeah. makes me think they're trying to phase out these older Avengers. Yeah, I think they're totally going to. It's just a matter of when's the right time in terms of money and stuff and while we can make it still happen. Um, so I imagine that if they make another Iron Man, which I think Robert Downey Jr. has said he's willing to do, it'll be the last one and they'll have sort of an ending to his being Iron Man in it. Mm. Um, but, uh, but again, you know, he can help take on some, you know, sort of the Nick Fury slash Q role, like a, some kind of combination of the two. Like, not Nick Fury isn't giving orders, but like behind the scenes, I know things you don't kind of a, kind of a thing. Um, and then maybe Nick Fury will pop back up because he's, we all know he's not really dead. Uh, <laughs> well, he's not dead. Yeah. He's alive. Well, exactly. Well, yeah, we know he's not. And so he'll, he'll <laughs> pop back up. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Good movie. I liked it. Uh, lots of issues, but I liked it a lot, and I liked what it did, and I'm looking forward to more. Agreed. Cool. All right, well, uh, I guess that is, that is it. Uh, so, yeah, if you uh, enjoyed this, you are welcome to check out our website, um, which is, holy cow, I forgot it. Uh, TriviallyCrucial.com. There you go. TriviallyCrucial.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at TrivCrucial. You can follow Mandy at on Twitter at Brown underscore Aja. That's A-J-A-H. And you can follow me at uh, Alhim, which is A-U-H-I-M. Uh, until next time. Um, yeah, bye. <laughs>